0: JazzGuitarLessons.net, improve your jazz guitar playing with a real teacher. Welcome to podcast 27 on Perspective. Mm Perspective seems to be a recurring theme throughout my own jazz education. Sometimes it can be called lateral thinking, and it's something that whether I was taking lessons from Mike or J.S. Williams or other teachers such as Gary Schwartz and even saxophone players like um, Frank Lozano, etc. in Montreal, this is a thing that seems is the most recurring theme because it's so important. Of course, uh, one of the things that happened in one of my first lessons with Mike Berard, who wrote the great book, Jazz Guitar Elements, um, that you can get on Jazz Guitar Store and jazzguitarlessons.net, of course, he showed me his tuner and he held it sideways. and said, you know, this is a tuner. You still know it's a tuner. Then he turned it sideways and said, look at it from this, this angle. If I showed you only this, you would not necessarily know it's a tuner, but it is still a tuner, etc." And Mike told me that this is one of the first things that Mick Goodrick told him when he took lessons from him. I think he probably took only one lesson or something. But that's the idea is the more ways you can see one thing, musically especially, and in life also, the more powerful you are at expressing your own ideas. Um, So, of course, when I'm saying about perspectives that... If a beginner's ear would listen to a John Coltrane solo, it, it seems like a million different things, right? But in fact, it's only one. It, it would be like you're walking in a forest and you see one tree after another tree after another tree, and then you can't really make the forest. Which will, of course, we'll get to that later. So often we look at one, um, we're looking at one thing, and in our our eyes, it seems like a few different things. I'll give you, for example, let's take the C major scale so of course this is not a podcast where we'll have a lot of examples but i still have guitar in hand and i want to share stuff with you so just this c major scale um, seems like it's only one thing Uh, but if you heard it in the context applied by say john coltrane on giant steps then you'd realize that oh my god uh, he's using this arpeggios and there's things and to the untrained eye and ears, it seems like it's not the same, but it all comes from the same place. So that's really what we want to get at is to say, okay, if you have one thing that you're practicing, you should be able to extrapolate and find and not, not extrapolate in a bad way and really in a good way. You have to find new ways to use the same old stuff. And that's what great players have been doing all along since the classical era, even before theme and variation. So that was a lengthy intro I'm sorry but for today's podcast I really want to give you three big big general topics you can talk about when you you want to change your perspective that are applicable right away uh, into your own musical life and not that many chord changes not that many scales not that you know it's not a podcast where we'll do a lot of stuff but at least the results from today's podcast can help you uh, bring forward new, more musical ideas to express yourself. Um, all right, so the first advice, and of course, i have musical examples idea and I, I have to to show you what I mean by changing your perspective by doing it um, live. So there's a lot of things to cover. I always say it's going to be a short podcast, but it winds up being something like 20 minutes. so I'll try and straight brief for now. All right. So number one, your tip is seeing the forest before the trees. Uh, this, I find, happens a lot when people learn jazz solos or co- jazz chord changes, and we're all, I mean, in the beginnings, we're all too close to the page, if you want. We're too close to see the entire thing. So I have a really good example of this. Is Recently, there's the Tune of the Month Club that you might have heard of on jazzguitarlessons.net, where we cover one jazz standard per month, and it's a great way to... get going to a song you kind of know or that you don't know at all. So the first one was in July 2015, a few months back. The song was all the things you are and during the written solo there's a part where you know you have your chord melody, you have a comping study, then you have a written solo and the written solo goes to the key of F minor in the first bar and the pickup sounds like this a one two three Uh, or something like that and we're aiming for that A flat note. All right and then there's an ornament on the F, so you play an e natural, e natural GF, right? And I recently received an email, and a student, a really brilliant guy, asked me about that E natural note, and he's saying, what's happening with you, Mark? I, I thought, you know, there's something lo- not logical, I'm not seeing the big picture, because the E natural note it does not fit in the key of A flat. You look at the key signature, and you have four flats. You're in the key of A flat major. The first chord is F minor, etc. And then the E does not fit. Does it act as the sharp five of A flat major? So in my instructor's mind, I'm like, No, no, no! It's not. That. <laughs> you know, you're not seeing the forest yet. You're just seeing the trees, and that's what's happening in the line. So you have to think of as an ornament, E natural, G. as an ornament to go to to the next note so you can't look at all the individual notes or all the individual chords on their own you have to take the step back and really hear things for what they are as the whole the whole the entire solo so that's why chromaticism works really well because if you hear like great improvisers like Pat Metheny or even Miles Davis even when they play a lot they still play only on a handful of ideas in each solo and they repeat themselves quite a lot, but they, they add whipping cream around it, you know, whipped cream. They add ornaments, they add flourishes, but the, the basic thing is still the same, of course. So what we can do about that is making sure that whenever we approach a new piece of material or something that seems funny or unfamiliar, it's important to take a step back and look at context. How is this E natural note used? Well, is it really the sharp five of the key of A flat or is this just because the author, that's me, that wrote the solo would, be, would find it fun to kind of encapsulate or ornament around the F note, which is only a natural thing to do, right? Uh, here's a danger though, if you do that too much, there's a danger in overgeneralizing, which is the other extreme, which is looking at all the things you are or blues and saying it's all just one big scale and then you take a rock solo for like 20 minutes and it's all in on one pentatonic scale, which is fine. I have nothing against that kind of playing, but if you do that to everything, then you might be missing the point a little bit. So too much of a good thing is still is still not a good thing, right? Uh, do not overgeneralize to try to look at one, uh, one sequence of chords and saying, oh, I can play on A flat major, like this, the first six bars of all the things you are and just blow on A flat major. Of course it is a flat major, but you still have to keep perspective and say it's a flat major with a spin coming from the B flat minor chord. B flat minor seven is the spin from this. Oh, you have a 251k. that's how does this interact with each other Still we're looking at context, not only taking a step back that's only part of the process. So let's look at tip number two. The second perspective thing I wanted to discuss on this podcast, is simply to shed a new light on the precise things you are practicing, which is, I'm kind of repeating myself, but you're you're seeing the the picture, right? If you have an idea, say you're shedding something in F minor, because that's all we've been talking since the beginning, um, maybe this idea on F minor, the lick you've been practicing, or the scale, or the arpeggio, or the whatever you have, might also be good on a flat major chord. Or maybe it's even good on D minor 7 flat 5 chord. You have to check yourself. You have to confront your idea with, okay, now that's good. What else can it be? You know, is this just a pencil or can I also use it to um, scratch my back when it's itchy? You know, something like that. You say, what's, what's more used to that piece of information than it is right now? So harmonically, it's kind of easy to do because you can say, I have a pass. I have a, a line and it may fit in different chords. So the first place to look is diatonic and you can even look at other keys. Uh, another way to shed a new light on precise things, is rhythmic. So you might've heard uh, how I like to practice Charleston. So the Charleston figure is simply that dotted quarter note, then eighth note. Note This is very interesting, not only on its own, but when you start displacing it. So you ask yourself, what happens when I take the Charleston's And I just move them all one eighth note to the left or one eighth note to the right. What's happening to, how does it feel? So this is a really great way to shed new light on precise things that you're already practicing. And you can even take lines that you have and say, "Hmm, what if I take this lick and start it a beat late or a beat early or an eighth note early? It's really interesting to to hear what can happen. And most likely it's going to be much harder than the original thing because you're not used to hearing it. So that, that would be my advice about rhythms and, uh, and lastly there's something you can do to shed the new light on, on the same motifs is uh, using diatonic patterns so say you're practicing the song and that was a tune of the month uh, coming up coming up in February in fact check it out it's called My Funny Valentine one of the greatest songs ever and in the version of the tune of the month it's in C minor and the song goes "My." Th- sorry, can't play that guitar still, see, so this thing, so you hear, you can reuse that and say, I'm still in the same key, you can still reuse that motif and say, what happens if I see it in a different way? diatonically. It's still the same pattern. But what's fun with that is it allows you to play with the song's original melody, the theme, much more. So you can play with it for longer. And that's what I hear Pat Metini do quite a lot, quite extensively. Sometimes his idea, his idea after the fact, it's like two or three notes. But he's using it to death. He's using it and reusing it and reusing it using these different devices. So that's it for Tip number two, which is shedding a new light light on precise things you're practicing. And lastly, on gaining perspective, my third tip is simply, in general, go for absolute relativism. So I I think this is really funny saying absolute relativity. Uh, But let's put it this way. There's a sentence I say often in all areas of of the music and uh, often in life also. And I say something like this. It's like, yeah, that's one way to do it so there's more than one good answer so in general keep this in mind always that uh, it might not be your favorite way might not be the fastest way might not be the most efficient way uh, but you can still say well in relative terms that is one of the options we have and it reminds me of scientists uh, telling us that in fact there's so much signal that our, our brain can't process so for instance i'm recording this podcast now but there's a dust, um, a particle of dust right in my scope of vision. I know it's there. I can see it if I focus on it, but it's not going to get my attention. Our attention is very small or else we'd basically go crazy. So think about this. We capture less than one uh, one in a million piece of information happening at every single moment. Let that sink in a little bit. So next time you're soloing or next time you're practicing or next time you're driving or next time you're you're discussing or thinking or reading, that keep this in mind. Whatever happens, you're only seeing a tiny fraction of it, only the fraction that we're allowed to see because of our human condition. That's a bio, bi- biological body we're in. We have eyes, we have ears, we smell, we feel, we you know, we think we—I don't know—we snore <laughs> and, and we cough, and then uh, we are hungry and etc. So there's always more than one good answer, and what you see, it, it might just be just one part of it. And for another person, that sees completely differently. You're both like the both persons are right, both people are absolutely right in the way they see things. So um, if you keep the relativity in all you learn musically speaking, it's going to help you a lot. A good example. One simple example, whenever you learn a a tune, you learn a chord progression, look at the Roman numeral analysis, say what's happening in that tune, not because I want to look at F-sharp minor seven flat five, to F, to this, to that, not in, in absolute terms. You have to look at it in relative terms and you'll gain insights. I mean, personally, I think it should be mandatory if you want to call yourself a jazz guitarist, say, all right, you want to play blues? You want to play jazzy blues? You have to play it in any of the 12 keys. You start, that's it, it's blues. If you can't really play blues in G flat or in, in D flat or in... Well, E major is an easy one for guitarists, right? Um, or E7 or whatever, or E minor. But if you can't do it in all keys, it means you don't really have the full picture of the blues because it's all relative, you see? So that's it for the, my, my general tip. The third one, which is go for absolute relativism. And my advice... Before I get into the examples, that you can get creative in your practice. You can force yourself to see the same materials you're practicing in a new light. And I mean different fingers, different fingerings, different positions, different ways of picking at different speed. What if you take all the stuff you're practicing at now and just half the speed and then double the speed? Uh, see if you can put a new chord progressions, change every major chord to minor, you know, change every dominant chord to something else and see. Just see what happened and don't don't be boxed in by, by the so-called rules. And you can change your rhythms also. And it's one thing I was discussing in lesson last night with a private student in Maine. And I just came to a point to tell the student, look, when I personally play, that's just a personal story. I just go and play. Even if we're a jam session, we're playing a standard or we're playing a blues, something that's very familiar. I don't restrict myself. The reason, I don't play by the rules because that's not what, why I'm there for. When you're, when you're practicing, you're tying yourself, which is a good thing. You're constraining yourself to things that are logical, that you can take a small piece of information, chew on it, digest it. That's what you do in practice. But when you get to play, you can jam and really play. Any note counts, anything goes. And I think you should devote a little bit of your, your practice time to jamming, completely freely and seeing what if you turn on the jazz radio or any radio and start soloing with it you don't know the song you don't know the key you don't know the, the rhythm you just go for it and that's really i think what music is all about so let let's jump in a few examples before i let you go let's look at a few chords and things that um uh, but yeah, there'll be a few chords, because I really love chords, I love comping and stuff. So let's think of a song such as, uh, the, there will never be in another in the key of E flat, which is the, the key that people play played in the most, sorry that was a chair, um, that people played in the most in E flat major. So you play in E flat major, and eventually around bar 5, no, on bar 5, you, you'll be on C minor. So you don't, here's the thing, you don't have to memorize this whole thing saying, oh my god, you have five bars of music, so you have this chord, then you have D minor 7 flat 5 to G7 going to C minor. You don't have to memorize the whole thing, because all you can say is, I know my key signatures, E flat major is the relative of C minor. There is this minor third relationship that's very important to know. So right there, you can absorb about 20% of the song only by remembering that you will be alternating in between the major key and the minor key. Uh, lots of songs do this. Autumn leaves does this. Uh, all the things you are does this. Um, uh, there's too many to name, but basically, so far all the tunes in the tune of the month club do that, and it's a good way to 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 be relative and to say, yeah, if we were in C major, we would go to A minor. You know, that's the whole this the thing, cowboy chord to A minor. It's just. That's there. So if you see this relationship already, you can cover a lot of uh, repertoire, a lot of great songs. Uh, the other thing I, I want to look at is check this one out. I'm playing a C major nine now. Then I'm going to go up to a E flat major seven. Again. Now if you just think of those two chords as unrelated, say, so, well, they're a minor third apart, which is true. But it's not the whole truth. If you want to see my opinion, you can say, well, if it would have been C minor, we would have went to the the relative major. So what we see is that if you establish a key of C major, what you're doing by going up there is borrowing an idea from your key of C minor, if you see what I mean. So you're still thinking of it like from C, it's relative, it's not just C major, or it's not like those chords that, that are diatonic in the key of C major. It's C to E flat, so you can even add that. What did I just play? I played two, five, one to E flat. Started with a C, 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 then C, C, then two, five, one to E flat. F minor seven, B flat seven to E flat. So you see, it's not just a shift, it's not just a jump, it's like well it works well because there's still a strong link between C and E flat and that link is the relative minor, so even if you don't have the C minor chord, you have a C major chord, you're kind of borrowing from your minor counterpart, that's how they say it in classical music, you're borrowing or in French we say mud mixed, so mixed, mixed mode. Another one that I really like to do too is C major seven to A flat major seven. I do this all all the time, the A flat. Oh, that's interesting. And I say, yeah, what's the link between C major and A flat? I don't really see it. Well, if you start from C, you'll be stuck and you have to start from the perspective of A flat. What's happening in A flat, after You have chords, you have C major seven, B flat minor seven, C minor seven. It's like, oh, once again, we have a C minor appearing. So what you're saying is, well, C minor is the third chord in the key of A flat major. So once again, we borrowed something. It's borrowed from, I don't like to use this terminology, but I will anyways. It's borrowed from C Phrygian. So. I just played C scale, uh, A flat major scale from a C root. So when I do this, as soon as I go there, My ear still picks up on that C tonality, but it it hears the C as being a Phrygian. So it's kind of another, they call it modal interchange uh, also in jazz. Uh, Here's also, let's go and do a 2 5 before the A flat major. Ready for this? B flat minor 7, B flat minor 7, E flat 7, A flat, then G7. Back to C major. You know things like that you hear in songs or in introductions to songs, and it's not really hard. It's just you have to see things in their own context, in their own perspective. One last one for dessert because we we've just been above the the 20 minutes uh, 20 minute mark. I'm sorry. I really love podcasting. I think I told you already. If you've been following the podcast, it's my favorite thing to do in the world. Well. We can talk about this some other time. So, here's one chord I want you to look at. If you want to get it in guitarist terms, so it's XX7544, 7544 on the top four strings. Well, actually, if you want to put a root under it, you can put an A flat root. That was a chord played by Ed Bickert, of course, somewhere that's so Bickert ish or Galbright ish. But go and look at the chords, and I'll let you go with that idea. It can also be a D7. That A flat, flat nine, A flat seven, flat nine becomes a D seven, flat nine, flat five. And now, if you use it in a progression where you need a D minor seven, so. Forgot what it was, it was an Ed chord thing, anyways. Uh, so, here's the main idea you need a D7 chord, but you will use an A flat 7 because it's a tritone sub. But not only is it a tritone sub, is this voicing you would never use as a D7 or I before seeing this, I would never be like, Oh, yeah, here's D7, but it is functioning as a D7 in a certain context. So, it's always interesting to look at how what other context can work for this and. You can probably find other uses for it because it works in minor thirds. So it can be A flat, can be B, can be D, can be F, but all with different sorts of extensions, and some of them will sound better than some of the other ones. All right. So that's it for today's podcast. Of course, my main my name is Mark from jazzguitarlessons.net. Improve your jazz guitar playing with a real teacher, and I'll see you in podcast 28. Take care. <music>